Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one episode, or only one season, or like 12 little tiny episodes on the Quibi. With me as always is TV's Noel Houlihan. There's been a murder. A murder? Yes. Welcome to the Mapleworth murders. Yes, and welcome, of course, to Stay Doomed on the IWEP Network. You can check us out on IWEPNetwork.com. So we this is our first Quibi episode. We've been talking yes. about doing Quibi episodes for a while, and we have finally come into a Roku box. Yes, and if you don't remember, let's talk a little bit about Quibi. Yeah. Uh, Quibi was a subscription platform that they threw tons of money at. Uh, Absurd amounts of money, based on this. And the idea was they were short videos because nobody has time to actually sit down and consume content anymore. So the videos, every episode is about six minutes. Yeah. And that's for every show that they had on this network. And it was a disaster. Unfortunately for Quibi, it started to air... Right around the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, so the, people were not out as much on Yeah, so their you phones. weren't at the gym yes. doing a set. Yeah. Or on the train. Additionally, it could only be viewed on your phone. You could There was no, like, PlayStation smart TV app for it. So no. it was phone viewing only. And not only were there ads... But it was a subscription-based service, so you were paying for ads. And the whole thing is, if it was supposed to be quick, and the the content's only six minutes, it's hard to get me to then sit through three 30-second ads, because you're adding an extra minute and a half now. So they tried a lot of different content. They tried uh, something that we started watching for fun, uh memory hole. Yeah, which was not very good. Which was not very good. It was a YouTube show, basically. Quibi was short for Quick Bites. Quick Bites. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was supposed to be like just a quick video. Unfortunately, uh, Quibi came out well after YouTube, which was already doing this. Yes. For free. Well, the idea was this was a higher content because they had uh, bigger stars on it. Uh, Whenever this was advertised, the ones I remember being advertised to me were uh, Chrissy Teigen's Courtroom. Mm Mm-hmm which was a court show with Chrissy Teigen. Uh, Flipped, which was a house-flipping show with um, the girl from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the guy from Last Man on Earth. Will Forte and D? Will Forte and D, yes. Uh, I I remember Survive, which was like Sansa Stark, Sophie Turner. Yes. In Mountains. Yeah, I think it was like a reality show, right? No. Oh, I thought it was like her actually climbing mountains. No, no, it, she was playing a character. It was a drama. Oh, all right. Uh, but it was like her trying to survive alone in the woods. I think there was a plane crash. I, I remember seeing advertisements for Dummy, which was the Anna Kendrick one. We almost watched that instead of this. Which was very close to being what we picked. The Stranger, which was like the thriller. Mm-hmm. 
And then there was one that was... Uh, do you know that terrible movie, Open Water, where it's just, oh no, we're stuck in the middle of ocean? Yeah. It's that, but instead of being stuck in the middle of the ocean, they're stuck in a car that got plowed in. And it, But it's like meant to be a horror. Uh, so despite the fact that those are the things that were advertised, we went completely off chart in choosing our first Quibi show. What yeah. did we choose? We chose the Mapleworth Murders. The Mapleworth Murders. Which, I get, I mean, I guess it's okay to bring up now, despite the fact that all the other ones were advertised, was the only Quibi show to win an Emmy. Yes, uh, J.B. Smoove won an Emmy for acting. It was actually nominated for three Emmys. Oh, Maplewood Word specifically? Mapleworth. Worth, excuse me. Uh, yes, uh, all for acting. Uh, J.B. Smoove, who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lutz was okay. nominated for his role. And then Paula Pell, the title character, Mrs. Mapleworth, was also um Nominated for her role. Interesting. Neither she nor John Lutz won. Gotcha. So, as we always do, let's say goodbye to the show and pour one out. What do you got there, Laura? I have a Mardar Merlot. Oh, a Mardar Low. Yeah, and apparently my new thing of weird themed wine. Uh, this is the the second story arc takes place in a winery. Okay, that so makes I wanted sense. a wine. Just don't spit it in my face. <sighs> what did I just? <laughs> she didn't spit it. She just made a noise. <laughs> I wouldn't spit it on the microphone. Yeah. It's expensive. How's your wine? It's Merlot. I'm right. not, I actually, it's, I really don't care for it. I'm not drinking Merlot. Um, interestingly, it was because Merlot was overproduced. And then after Sideways, Pinot Noir, the one he preferred, became overproduced in the same way. Oh, really? And Pinot Noir actually tanked in quality shortly after Sideways. Oh, interesting. That's funny. That's a good movie. Uh, so one of Miss Mapleworth's uh, signature drinks in this is what is called a buttery nipple, which turns out is a real thing. Yes, it is. It is butterscotch snops and then like an Irish creme, uh, which you guys know uh, we don't have. So <laughs> what I have here is uh, some 99 butterscotch. <laughs> So it's 99 proof butterscotch. And then I tried to float some creamer on top and it all sunk to the bottom immediately. Yeah. I don't know why, when this became the show where I do shots. I don't know either. But I've been doing a lot of shots as of late. And like, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> this is just a shot of 99 proof liquor. So expect Laura to do a lot of the uh, heavy lifting this episode. <laughs> Salute. That was better than it should be. Yeah, I figured it wasn't going to taste as bad because you did have a decent amount of cream in it. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Noah has checked out. Oh. It's like I, I ate sharp ice cream. So, mm. and I have the Mardar Merlot. I also have a cup of tea because Mapleworth Murder is, is supposed to be a Murder, She Wrote uh, parody. Yes. Mardar, She Wrote. And this is very much the kind of show you curl up with with a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Sort of. So let's talk about this. So I, I think I want to introduce how we're going to talk about it. There are 12 episodes of the show. Yes. But there's really only four episodes of the show. Yes. Because so, the show was created for Quibi, but mm-hmm. part of their deal with Quibi was that they would be able to retrofit it into a regular series at some point. Yeah. So really all it is. It's are, a three act sitcom. Or each sitcoms. act is an episode. Yeah. It's a half-hour sitcom, but they put to be continued at the commercial break. Yeah, in fact, there's two episodes where I don't have the the um, the when bre- the break happens. Same. Uh, so episode one, we meet Abigail Mayworth. Yes, and her niece Heidi. Yes, who is Australian. Australian, and she is living with Abigail while she finishes college. Yes. And there's a, it's a five-bedroom house, but Heidi has to sleep in, like, an annex next to Abigail's room. Yeah, because the animals have all the other rooms. Well, one room is for the dogs, and one room is for the cats, and one room is for their mixer parties. Yeah, it's when they party. And she introduces uh, Heidi to the town. And I can't remember the name of the town because it was a very long town name. Well, I will say this. I, for some reason, kept thinking it was Maplewood. Like, the Maplewood murders. I kept thinking that was the location, not the human. It's still Mapleworth. Yeah, I know that, but I'm saying that's where I started making my mistake, because Maplewood sounds more like a place to me. I believe Maplewood might be a town in New Jersey. Yeah, that's why I made this mistake. So, it's hard because they mention the town name a bunch of times, but it's intentionally... Obtuse. It's like New South Woodsworth or something. Oh yeah. They, well, that's also like New South Woodstream. Yes, I did have it in my notes. I just didn't have it in the first episode. Because that's also the name of one of the cemeteries. Yes, North so, South Woodstream Cemetery. Yes, which is why again I I think I there are four cemeteries in town. There no no no. There was only four cemeteries open on a Monday. The yes. rest of them were closed. Yes, because the town does have a high murder rate. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, a high murder rate. Murder rate. And she shows her around town and there's like an entire store that's just wind chimes. Yeah. And the town is set up to be very boring. Yeah. It's a, but it's very just... like, very, Stars Hollow is like a good comparison for my Gilmore Girls fans mm-hmm. out there. That very intentional, small town, quaint, quirky. Yes. The town from Hot Fuzz. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, main, the main police officer we meet in this episode is uh, Gilbert, played by John Lutz from 30 Rock. Yes. And we find out that there's a new butcher shop opening. Yes. And the new butcher, Kennelly, is played by Chris Parnell. Chris Parnell. Who I adored. So I, I was, love Chris Parnell. I was Parnell. super happy to see Chris Parnell. Yeah. And he plays a jerk and like, it's very clear what they're doing is just setting up him to be murdered. Oh. And setting up all these different 
uh, suspects. Yeah, he calls his wife an asshole. Yeah. He's rude to his son. And then a rival butcher comes in, who, who's who been the new butcher in town since 1989. Yes. Tim Meadows and plays the butcher. And it's Tim Meadows. And Tim Meadows actually yells like, Canali, get out of here, Andy Habsburg. You get out of here. And by out of here, I mean out of this town. I've been the new Woodstream Butcher since 1987. Well, we're all tired of your limp mates. You're going to be closing out of business in 30 days. Over my dead body. Well, I can arrange that. I'd like to see you try to kill me. Uh, Excuse me, he's not the last person to say that. I also will say that uh, I'm not sure how this episode is going to go in terms of clips, in terms of the usual Stay Doomed format, in that... These are Roku originals, so I do not know if I can access them via computer. I think I need the Roku box. So I'm going to be limited to things I can find online in terms of clips. So it it may not be a clip-heavy episode, and as always, I apologize. Yeah, there is some. there are some clips online. All right, so I'll pull some in. But then it also thinks you want to watch Only Murders in the Building or uh, the SNL Sketch of Squid Game. Oh. Uh, so Abigail is very old fashioned and quaint. Like yes. at one point she goes like, let's have a luncheon. And Heidi goes, who says luncheon? <laughs> at my, my Heidi impression's not bad, actually. I, I want to point out that, uh, Abigail tries to, uh, unite the butchers. Yeah. And forces them to like shake hands and be friends. And did you see what they do with their hands when they're being friends? No. Okay, so put your hands together like like this, and then like kind of like do Spock hands. Which I can't quite do. Okay, and then like come and link it with me. Alright, right? Okay, you link and then open the turn turn like this and now open your hands. Just like your palms, like towards you. That's what a vagina looks like. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> hands with each other. Gentle listener. <laughs> I assure you. I did not get that from this. <laughs> Guys, that shot was really strong. <laughs> Gentle listener. I please. I beg your indulgence. We're on a new network. This is great. I just want to say that it was very rude of you to pull your hands away before I got the look at the hand vagina. That's bad hand vagina etiquette. There's going to be another martyr real soon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we see uh, Abigail. We see a lot of shots of Abigail leading Heidi through town. There's a great line of like, and that's my favorite place to buy sanitary napkins. Yes. (laughs) And then they go back to Canelli's to the butcher shop. And there is Canelli, as played by Chris Parnell, Mm -hmm. laying in the refrigerator case. Mm Mm-hmm. With his ham stuffed in his mouth. Yes. And this is where we get the line, There's been, been a, a martyr. She always says martyr. Yes. And then, to be continued. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised, because I kind of didn't think we'd get to the murder this quickly. I, I didn't know what the format of the show was going to look like. Yeah, yet. I was almost wondering if we were going to get a full case every six minutes. But no, we don't. I also thought maybe it would take all... 12 episodes. To do one murder. To do Chris Parnell's murder. Yes. Not not going to be the case. Uh, I was really tired, so I don't have a ton of notes on that first step. 
on the first six minutes. I actually have way more notes for the next two parts of this episode. Yes. Because there's a note of Noah asks who done it. Laura is tired and does not care. Do you want to see my notes for episode one? Yeah. <laughs> Hand vaginas. <laughs> That's the only thing I wrote down. I want to point out that I'm saying... I have notes that are a little bit... Um, like, I have Chris Parnell plays dead asshole. <laughs> Well, I mean, John Lutz is cop. That's more detailed than I have. I thought hand vaginas was the only important thing to happen. Oh, we'll take you to the Women's Crochet League. There's some skilled hookers. So, episode two. There are no visible marks on Canelli, who, by the way, is listed as Parnell in my notes. Uh, this is a big issue I have with this show, is they yeah. have a lot of high-profile guest stars. Chris Parnell will not be the last. Yeah. And they don't do a great job establishing names. So, my notes largely list yeah. the name of the actor. That makes sense. Um, to the point where, despite winning an Emmy for it, I don't know J.B. Smoove's character name, and I'm going to look it up right now. Because he's too big of a character. Oh, Chief Billy Bills. Billy Bills. That actually comes up later as an important plot point of sorts. Gilbert comes in, as played by John Lutz, and he hits on Abigail. Yes. And he'll do this in every episode. He's mm-hmm. clearly in love with Abigail. Heidi takes a selfie with the body. <laughs> and we find out that there have been, in recent years, 116 martyrs yes. in New South Woodstream. Mm-hmm. And then Heidi's response is, Christ! <laughs> Christ! Abigail is a novella writer. Yes. She writes murder mystery novellas mm-hmm. about Mrs. Mapleworth. And she is currently dealing with procrastination issues because she's supposed to be writing her first novel. Right. And her uh, her agent is Jerry. Who is Patton Oswald. Who I, I had the thought of like, oh... He shot his entire part yeah, in an hour. He just kind of calls and is like, hey, you working on that novel? And she lies and says, yes. And then that's the end of it. And Heidi is like down for all of this. Heidi is like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. I'm in for this. She starts taking selfies with the body. Yes. And there's an interesting moment where we see Kennelly's son. Mm-hmm. who he's also been really mean to. Yeah. Because uh, Canelli's son developed his own dry rub and Canelli wouldn't let him display it in the... Yes. I also want to point out the line, because I really enjoyed this. Uh, who would kill my father? <laughs> he's so gentle, he wouldn't hurt a fly. Well, he is a butcher. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a great line. And there's also this moment where they bond. Because they're, they're both, like, super hyped up. Mm-hmm. And Heidi's like, I'm hooked up on generic Red Bull. <laughs> and he's like, it. I'm on Adderall. <laughs> and they also... So it kind of builds toward this moment because Abigail is trying to teach Heidi how to solve cases. So she's trying to teach Heidi how to, like, develop a rapport with a yeah. suspect. And he's she's like, can we talk to your mom? And he goes, she's... And Abigail goes, we know, an asshole. <laughs> no at home and then Heidi takes a selfie with the son yes uh, and then we see J.B. Smoove's character Billy Bills mm-hmm. uh, interrogating Hapsburg the butcher 
Tim Meadows. Yes. And we find out that Habsburg has an airtight alibi. Yes. He was in his own butcher shop during the murder, and Billy Bills was buying meat from yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> I was selling meat to you. He goes, I got one more question, and I better like this answer. Did I leave that meat on the counter, and can I get store credit for it? No. No, you can't. So then Abigail and Heidi go to uh, the Kennelly household, and they knock on the door, and there's a gunshot. Mm -hmm. And Abigail goes, my maple sense is tingling, and not the sexy part. (laughs) And then someone shoots at Abigail and Heidi. To be continued. To be continued. It's a pumpkin! Yeah, episode three, it is just uh, the <laughs> the wife, who is Mrs. Twat. Mrs. Twat. Mrs. Twat, uh, who's just shooting pumpkins with a, a shotgun. Yeah, and they all have a printout of Parnell's face, of Canelli's face. <laughs> yes! And they talk about uh, their sex life. And she was talking about how, like... When we first met, our love was like an inferno. We would hump each other three, four, five times a night. Never in the same room. TMI. Too much intercourse. That's a great line. She goes on to say that... I hated him with every bone in my body, except my vagina. My vagina bone loved him. The writing in this is fantastic. It really really like It's very... Almost airplane-esque silliness. Yes. So we we see this funny moment of them later eating a pie. And Noah goes, there's going to be buckshot in the pie. Because they're eating the pumpkin pie. Yeah. Mrs. Twat has eviscerated with the gunshots. And Heidi is scrolling through her phone and Abigail scolding her. And she realizes something. In the selfie she took with Kennelly Jr. and Abigail, it says Kennelly's and son. Mm-hmm. And in the shot with the body, it doesn't say Kennelly's. It just Kennelly says Kennelly's. And she, they go, they run to the thing and find out the paint is still wet in the glass. Mm-hmm. So Noah was right that the son did it because you guessed that yeah. after the first episode. And Kennelly Jr. is like, well, I can't let you go. I don't want to go to jail for murder. Mm hmm. So he hangs Abigail up on a meat hook, and he's going to butcher her. Yes. And this is when we get the first imagined spot. Yes. There's this moment where Abigail says, Think, Abigail. How would you write yourself out of this one? Mrs. Mapleworth hangs from the meat hook, waiting for the killer to return. She is reminded of a recent ziplining adventure to Costa Rica with her female travel companion with whom she shared expenses. And it goes into this like dream sequence where we see one of Abigail's books being opened. Yes. And she becomes the character in her novels or in her short stories rather. Which is just a very glamorous, well-dressed version of her. Yes. Like instead of her like normal ponytail, she's like, Beautiful, flowing, curly blonde hair. Yes. And she says something implying she's a lesbian. Yes. She talks about a trip where she went ziplining with a dental hygienist with whom she shared expenses. Yes. Implying that, like, she was sharing a room with this woman. Mm. And basically she uses her ziplining skills to slide across on this hook and 
kick out the son's head and and escape. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to reality, and she's not. Able and she's to do awkwardly this. scooching forward yeah. on it. What are you doing? It's called zip lining. It no. doesn't work, but it buys enough time for Heidi to come in and kick the son twice in the crotch. Mm-hmm. And then Gilbert gets Abigail down, and Abigail's headlights are very on. Yes, because it cold. Um, and everyone kind of is just like, maybe we should cover you up on top of Gail. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very, it's like gag boobs. It's kind of, yeah. it's very funny. And Ben is laying in the corner holding a stake onto his junk. Yeah. Because he's been kicked very hard. And then we go back to, like, you know, later at Abigail's house. She's writing and then someone knocks. But it's the newspaper being thrown poorly at the door. Mm -hmm. And we then go to a, like, creepy murder board. Yes. And it says, Mapleworth must die. Yes, there's someone lurking in the shadows trying to kill Abigail Mapleworth. Yes. To be continued. No, that one just ends. No, they all have to be continued. Oh, do they all have to be continued? Because that was a problem I had, was, like, this bit of to be continued to try to disguise that all the episodes are equal. When they're not, they're clearly, like... They are different lengths. There are some that are like eight minutes and there's some that are like five. But also like it's not self-contained or anything like that. You have to watch this in order. And like this is clearly an ending. And now we're moving to another real episode. Despite the fact that this is listed as episode four. It's really episode two. Quibi's done. Is is the, basically the takeaway from this. So next we will be doing How Merlot Can You Go? Yes, which is actually the name of the winery. I love it. Yeah. This is easily the best of the mysteries. This one's a I lot would of say fun. this is the best episode, yeah. Uh, they get to a new winery opening in New Southwood Stream. And Gilbert's working security. Abigail and Heidi are there socially. Yes. And obviously Gilbert has a giant crush on Abigail. And... Uh, they come in, and Heidi... Heidi has a great line of, It's like the 80s had sex with a Bible. What does that mean? Um, I also wrote that one down. Like, what the... What do you mean the 80s had sex with the Bible? I... Th- I don't know. <laughs> Neon lights and good carpentry? Yeah, I think it's like... <laughs> I think it might be a reaction to some of the people there. Yeah. Because it's kind of a boring party. Gotcha. And we find Paige, who is the editor of the Bi-Weekly Monthly, the local newspaper. Yes. And Paige and Abigail have a lot of contempt for each other. Yeah, they hate each other. Because Paige doesn't think Abigail's a real writer because she writes fiction. Abigail doesn't think Paige is a real writer because she writes nonfiction. Yeah. And they accuse Paige of farting. <laughs> yeah. And, like, oh, disgusting, how horrible. And then Paige runs away embarrassed, and Abigail's like, I could do that on command. It's like a party trick. And Heidi goes, you might not be well. Yeah, not be well. And Gilbert is worried because the last time they had a big winery opening like this, the church organist got super wasted and started singing hymns with dirty words in them. Yes. And guess who shows up? The church organist. Yes. She's Tina Fey. It's Tina Fey. Tina Fey is only in this show for 
th- two minutes. I almost said three minutes, and that was a great overstatement. But man, did she steal the spotlight. Because she's just drunk. Yeah, and her name is Martha. And Gilbert and Martha have had a brief relationship. Yes. Martha really likes Gilbert. Gilbert only has eyes for Abigail. Mm -hmm. And Gilbert tries to get Martha to leave. And then she starts singing Near My Butt to Thee. Yes. And toddler dropping. Yes. So that she cannot be held. I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. Toddler drop. This little crotch of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, uh, I call this rock thoughts. Yes. When you've just... This is a unique ability among uh, small people and animals to make themselves so heavy. Yeah, very heavy and, and unable to be lifted because like, there's suddenly no longer a spot where you can be held. Mm-hmm. You become very heavy and slippery. Toddler drop is a good name for it because yes. it's something kids are really yeah. good at. Toddlers have that anti-lift slide that yeah. they do. Which some of us never lose because some of us never get big enough. <laughs> Since I'm still short, I learned how to toddler drop and never stopped. Mm-hmm. There's a rap song in there somewhere. <laughs> and Abigail is trying to encourage Gilbert and Martha, telling Gilbert, you deserve to be physically reciprocated. Martha gets dragged out of the winery after causing a scene with her legs open and her dress yelling, this little crotch of vine... I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> gonna let it shine. Martha, close your legs. <laughs> and the uh, the bartender is uh, Dink Chodley. Dink Chodley, which we don't find out his name in this episode. Yes, we he, we just see him again later, but we'll we'll tell you his name now. He's Jack McBrayer. Jack McBrayer, Kenneth the Page from Thirty Rock. And he is very much in. He is a classic Jack McBrayer character. Yes, he is sunny and kind. And then we meet the owner of the winery, mm-hmm. Julia. She's Nicole Byer, best known for Nailed It and being Trudy Judy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. And she tries her wine and has a big theatrical reaction that is clearly meant to look like an orgasm. Yes. She also throws the caterer under the bus by talking about how there's crab penises in the crab cake. Yes. I don't have anything. I bet it's just... She's also seen having a argument with the corkist. Yes. Who runs the corkery. Yes, and he is played by Ike Barinholtz. Yes, who you probably know from Mad TV and all those terrible, like, epic movie movies. I I feel like he has better. No, I apparently don't like Ike Barinholtz and I'm just going to bury him. (laughs) Uh, he's best known, according to IMDb, he's best known for Suicide Squad as Griggs. Yes, he is Griggs in Suicide Squad. He's got a lot of, like, he's got a lot of roles that I'm... In th- oh, he's probably best known for the Mindy Project. Yeah, he's in that as well. And he's in The Disaster Artist. Everyone's in The Disaster Artist. Yeah, I don't remember him from The Disaster Artist. I know him from Epic Movie. Fair. And so we find... Julia in the uh, area of the winery where all the barrels are kept. Mm -hmm. And we see her have an argument and then a barrel runs toward her. Yes. Very slowly. Like Deadpool Zamboni slowly. Yes. So that Julia has a lot of time to scream. Mm -hmm. And she gets squished by a barrel. 
Horatio Sands is also here. Yeah, I, I wanted to believe He's not that. relevant to the plot. Horatio Sands is just attending the party, and he has, like, a line, and I wrote down, Horatio Sands? But he doesn't do anything. He's a line about Horatio Sands' wife and kids, am I right? <laughs> just His only line is referencing that it's him. Because, he, oh, he goes like, he, I gotta go find my wife and kids after he was with a woman and children. That you were meant to think were his own wife and kids. Okay. And then they all find Julia's body, and we get this very James Bondy pun cavalcade. Yes. Of, you know, all of these wine puns about Julia being dead. Yes. And then they're like, really, it's very sad, though. Selfie. Because <laughs> Heidi will take a selfie with every corpse mm-hmm. in the show. To be con- and then, as Heidi takes a selfie, another barrel comes toward Gilbert, Billy, Heidi, and um, Abigail. Yes, and another random party goer. Yes, that has just suddenly kind of appeared. Davenport. Davenport, who we don't know at this point, but he's just kind of like there, like uh, he's like screaming because it's popular. He's like, "Oh, are we screaming?" Ah, now, ah, when I looked at ah, Davenport. Something was bothering me about him. Yes. Something just really stuck in my craw about Brent Davenport. He's Todd. He's Todd from How I Met Your Dad. Yes, we went back to back with this guy. Double the Drew Tarver for your entertainment. Drew Tarver is now a double stay doomed alumnus, which means he will be tagged in a tweet when this episode goes live. Horatio Sands is officially credited as Weird Man. (laughs) Davenport flirts with first Abigail. Mm -hmm. And Billy Bills and Gilbert tell Mapleworth she's a suspect because she and Heidi found the body. Mm -hmm. And then Mapleworth is like, I'm going to go outside and clear my head. And she finds Richard Belt, the corker. And he is mourning by punching a tree. He's just punching a tree. And so he's very, like, upset, and he and Abigail bond by punching the tree together. Yeah, because the tree's a jerk. And she gets her leg stuck. Yes. They've moved, They've converted a bathroom into an interrogation room, and while this is happening, uh, Billy questions Heidi, but cannot remember her name. Yeah. Okay, we have a few questions for you. Um... It's, it's Heidi. Yeah. We've met before. I uh, helped you solve a murder. Right, 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 right. Uh, uh, it's Heidi, sir. Oh, great backup. How did you forget that quickly? You know, despite the, f- like, I almost want to say that this episode was supposed to be later in the season. Okay. To establish that he would remember her. Well, she just solved the murder. Previously. And right. she alludes to the fact that she's like, I just solved a matter. Right. And so they're talking about, she is an airtight alibi. She was upstairs with everyone in the same room taking selfies when the murder occurred. And she goes like, do you really think I'm capable of? And then Abigail pops out of the bathroom and yells, murder! <laughs> and she goes, yeah, this is creepy AF. Apple fritter. The worst of the apple desserts. <laughs> and now that phrase is ruined forever. Yep. 
so we kind of have this moment of everyone has been told they have to stay until the murders are solved. Yes. So Paige and Abigail are just sitting there talking and Paige literally just lists off every suspect and their motive. Right. Like the caterer, the corker, um, that Davenport's just a creep. Yeah. And she and Abigail hate each other for no reason. Well, I love this because uh, eventually Heidi's like, what is your problem with her? And Abigail like struggles to think of what caused this feud. So she just goes, what started this page race? Oh, Paige. About 20 years ago. Well, it couldn't have been 20 years ago because she came here in 2010. Let me see. My math is off. 20. No. All I know is she did something. Oh, and how. There was this time that she... You know what? I can't remember, actually, right now. But on a slow day, it's just fun to have someone you have a beef with. You know, it just gives Mm -hmm. you energy. (laughs) Which I just loved as a concept. Like, yeah, I just like hating her. It's motivation. And... They, they go talk to the caterer, and the caterer admits that despite her dis, despite her protestations, there were, in fact, crab penises in the crab cakes. Yes. Which was like a clue, I guess. And then Heidi gets a text from Todd, because Todd Davenport, or his name's not Todd in this, Brent Davenport, took Heidi's phone and put his number into it. Yes. And texted himself from her number so that Mm. he had her number. Yes. And then he texts her to meet him in the barrel room. And he is found dead with a cork through his eye. Yeah, one of those like... Corkscrews in his chest. In in his chest or in his crotch? In his crotch, you're right. Yeah. Uh, And then a cork in his eye. Yes. And... Heidi has come downstairs. She picks up the gun used to fire the cork, and then she is found. Yes. By Bills and Gilbert. So it looks like Heidi is the murderer. To be continued. All right, next episode. Heidi gets arrested. Yes. And Mapleworth tries to flatter Officer Bills to get, like, to get him to let Heidi go. I I want to bring up my favorite line. Okay. Which I I think is is said by, uh, by Gilbert. Uh, <laughs> Abigail, what is that brilliant smell that you're wearing? And she goes, it's deep. There's tons of bugs in my yard. Yeah. Well, I don't find it repellent at all. Beautiful, beautiful joke. We then have another conversation about cork with Robert Belt. And it is the cork soaker sketch from Saturday Night Live. Yes. It's just them talking about how he's passionate about cork and he yeah, just he loves, loves cork. And he loves puts, cork. Likes putting cork in his mouth. Yeah. Like it's that sketch mm-hmm. from Saturday Night Live. And Heidi is back down in the barrel room with Abigail and the caterer hits Heidi with a bottle. Yes. Because she's the murderer. It turns out it's the caterer. Because she had been in love with Brent and Julia banged him. And Heidi is conscious, but like laying in the corner. Yeah. And the <laughs> caterer, Mrs. De La Bouche, mm-hmm. rolls a barrel toward Mapleworth, just like how she killed Julia. Yes. Think about it. 
How would you get out of this? How would you write yourself yourself out out of this? this? Now, this to me is a bummer. When she's in the rodeo clown gymnastics camp? Well, the first time they did this was one of my favorite parts of the episode. When it was the zip lining thing. But now that they're doing it again, and it turns out she's in rodeo clown gymnastics, and she's going to try to jump on top of the barrel and then walk it back. Looks like I just donked your Kong. Yes. Like, I just sat there like, oh, well, it's going to fail now. And then we cut back and it fails, and she, like, hits her head, and she falls over. She kind of, like, barrels over the barrel? Yeah. So, like, she doesn't get crushed by it. Mm Mm-hmm. She wins? Yeah. And then the caterer uh, goes to shoot Abigail. But Gilbert Toddler drops to get the gun from her. Yes. And Abigail goes, thank you, Gilbert. I owe you an H.J. A ham jam sandwich. (laughs) So, yeah. And then she calls Paige an inch of garbage water, which I wanted to write Mm. that down. And then she asks Heidi if she's okay. And she goes, I'm fine, but I'll probably milk this for a while. Yeah. And then Abigail gets a call from her nemesis. And someone moves in the bushes outside Abigail's home, but does not attack her because she's with Heidi. Episode 10. This is my least favorite of the four. There's some stuff I really like in this one, but like, I definitely feel like in the first episode I was on board. Yeah. In the second episode I was like, oh, a lot of these are the same tricks. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really bothered me because I, I wrote this down in the second one, was when it turned out to be the caterer. The caterer seemed obviously to be the red herring. Yes. So then when it wasn't, I was just sitting there like, was there any evidence for me to solve this? Okay. Like, it, Can I play along at home? And for that episode, I really felt like there wasn't. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be true for the next episode, in my opinion. I think this one's actually worse. Um, yeah. Because we talked about a lot of guest stars in the previous episode. Tina Mm. Fey, uh, Nicole Byers, Ike Barinholtz. They're all still playing characters, though. Yeah. And they're all still playing, like, people. Mm -hmm. And when Martha toddler drops and Gilbert drags her out, we don't see Martha again. Yes. This one has the issue of the famous people are through the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And it really damages the show. Yes. Uh, we get the little Mapleworth murders intro, which I find mm-hmm. interesting because we only get them at the beginning of arcs. Mm-hmm. And Abigail awakens Heidi at 5. 5 p.m. Yes. With either some muesli or some dog uh, dog food. She's not sure. She lost her glasses. Yeah. It's dog kibble. It's dog kibble. And she says, like, I got you concert tickets. And Heidi guesses some real band. She, like, <laughs> Lizzo. And it's the brothers, big villain plus sisters, BBPS. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I bought the tickets on my phone. Yeah, you did, you baller. Heidi is very affectionate toward Abigail. Yes. I also want to point out that her phone says murder mystery writers like to play with the end. Like to fiddle with the end. Yes. <laughs> there, there's been a lot of stuff with Abigail's smartphone that we've left out of mm-hmm. like in the previous episode... Heidi changed all of her notifications to blood-curdling screams. <laughs> Just screaming, yeah. And uh, they go back to 
we, we see them going to the concert and the venue used to be a brothel. There's a really good line that I did not have the time to write down about how it used to be a brothel. Yes, uh, it, it's currently called the Honey Pot, but it used to be the Money Pot, I think. Yeah, but there's a whole thing about how yeah. it used to be a brothel. And Jerry calls, and Abigail complains about him. Yes, the, the agent played by Patton Oswalt. Well, it was a FaceTime call, and Jerry hears the whole thing. Yes. Which is a solid little joke, because like it's very, you know, boomer with a phone. Mm-hmm. Of not realizing... And they get, their waitress comes over to get their order, and to my joy, it's Darcy Carden. Best known as Janet from The Good Place. Yes, from The Good Place. And she does a really good job not being Janet, because here's my notes. The waitress is Janet. They order weird shit. Like, they, she orders, Abigail orders rare medium, uh, rare shrimp cocktail. (laughs) And... Heidi orders the salad with Skittles. Salad with Skittles. Which, if we did a themed dish, I would have made salad with Skittles. Yeah. And then my next note is, ooh, Darcy Carden is not Janet. No. She's, she's bad like, Janet. She's like, all right, here's your shit. Yeah. She is more bad Janet. Yes. And uh, Gilbert is also at the concert because he loves BP, BBPS. And he is really leaning into that turtleneck vest combo. <laughs> yes. And Heidi goes, he looks really hot. Like, temperature-wise. <laughs> yes. Well, also, I want to say that uh, Janet's character, who I don't even know if we ever got her name. No. she's just like the waitress. No, I think she's actually just called the waitress. Uh, says something like, I hope you guys enjoy this because I hate them. If it was me, I would drive them into a ditch somewhere. Uh, no, she says, I hope their tour bus drives into a gulch. Into a gulch. Something about the word gulch really just made that for me. <laughs> Darcy Carden does not have uh, a character name. And Heidi says, people in this town really don't hold back. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Heidi's really fun. Yeah. And uh, we find out that Abigail used to like singing, but in her 20s, she opened her mouth and immediately swallowed a moth. Yes. And since then, she's afraid to sing in public. Yeah. So then we meet BBPS, and it is Fred Armisen, mm-hmm. um, Maya Rudolph. Andy Samberg, and the last sister is James Anderson. Yes. Who is an SNL writer. Yeah. And uh, they sing a weird, suggestive song about being the Wham Bam family. Yes. And Heidi yells, am I high and I forgot? (laughs) Yes. And then at the end of the song, uh, Andy Samberg's character, uh, Bran, goes to do like a breakdance spin. Yeah, a b-boy spin. And dies. And dies. And instant rigor mortis sets in. Mm-hmm. To be continued. To be continued. So in the next episode, uh, we find out that Gilbert has Gilbert has to go be a cop. And he, he's like, what do I do now? And he has a tattoo of Bran. Yes. And there are so many funeral homes in New South Woodstream that there's a taco franchise in this one. Yeah, it's just better for food franchises to tie themselves in. With a funeral home. <laughs> and we're, something we get over the course of this episode is Abigail keeps talking about your college friends, your college friends, your college friends. And Heidi reacts in a way that kind of signals to the viewer, Heidi doesn't really have any friends. Yeah. And we also meet the funeral director, who is Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. In a very fun little, like, cameo. Yeah. Do you guys need anything? Tich- tissues, chips and salsa, guacamole? 
And the remaining three siblings are bickering over who killed Bran. Mm-hmm. I'm not a brother killer, you mother! Cut yes. off. And I actually start referring to... Their, their names are very confusing, so I start referring to them mostly by their actor names. Yeah, I think that's fine. So Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph are arguing. And then we also see the big villain's parents. Yes, who is again Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen is their dad and James Anderson is their mom. Mm-hmm. And their parents do not care that one of them is dead. No. Like, which one was it? Yeah, they, they don't care. They apparently did the bare minimum raising them. They, it's like, oh, you raise them till they can go on tour. Yeah. And uh, we find out that rigor mortis had set in immediately. Yes. I've never seen anything get that hard that quick, said Wanda Sykes. And, and literally turn to camera and wink. Yes, full wink to camera. And Mableworth surmises that he was poisoned with strychnine. Yes. And then as they're saying their goodbyes, uh, Brody, played by Fred Armisen, leans over the casket to say goodbye to his brother. Mm. And then he also immediately dies. Now, I thought that... Uh, the other sister was going to die because she is seen like eating a mint that Bran had. That Bran had, and I was like, "Oh, so this is kind of like a twist." And then we go to a different funeral home. Yes, with this- a tie-in with Mark's Buffalo Shack. Yes, and we see Mark's Buffalo Shack, and then we see an actor who looks like the actor who plays Mark Brendanowitz <laughs> on Parks and Rec. Who doesn't? Who hasn't been in a lot else? So I, he legitimately could be in this episode. I don't yeah. know. Um. So we see him walk by, and I make Noah actually like rewind it for the first time in this entire show. Yes, it's not him. Because I was like, "Is it? Is that Brendanowitz?" And you were like, "No, no, it wasn't." And we see the server who Janet from yes. the Good Place, who's just server, and Mableworth accuses her of the murder, and we find out that. She has gotten pregnant. Yes. It was, she was pregnant by one of the Big Bill and brothers and yes. has had the baby. And it's just Andy Samberg's head on a baby. It's like a Wienerville yeah. kind of puppet. And then they go, well, it has to be Bran. And Mableworth goes, no, look at him from another angle. And then we get the same shot, but it's Fred Armisen. Yeah. It's very silly. And then Mableworth watches down there. I vaccinated your kids in case you were one of those wackadoos. Yeah, this is weird. And Janet goes, oh, thanks. I forgot. I did actually forget. And finally, we see at this funeral, Maya Rudolph is crying into an entire box of wine. Yes. Which is amazing. She's just carrying a box of wine and crying into it. And we find out the other sister confesses to the murders. Like, she gets put up to it. Yes. And... Kind of confesses without really meaning to. Mm-hmm. To be continued. To be continued. We go back to the original venue, the uh, the Honey Pot. Yes. And Maya Rudolph is singing, and she's very talented. And then uh, I have a note: the show suddenly likes the c word a lot. Yeah. I almost feel like in this group of episodes, they found out they were never going to air on like network. <laughs> so they were like, "Ah, screw it. Let's say the c word a bunch." So she's easily the most talented of the... It's like, it's Maya Rudolph singing. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. And they bring out a pole. Yes. She does a very gross pole dance. Yeah, she performs the song Short Straw. Yeah. And she then does a split and dies. Yes. 
And then we were like, okay, so the murder sister didn't do it. And Abigail goes, I know where she is. And Abigail opens the piano and the last big villain Mm. is dead in the piano. Is dead in the piano. And so they figure out, Abigail goes, I've solved the case. And Heidi tries to trick her into singing. He's like, why don't you sing it to us? Abby, Abby. No one else is chanting. (laughs) And then... We get the, how would I write myself out of this? Which I found really fun because in every other time she'd done it, she'd been in mortal danger. Yeah. And having it be in this moment. And so she does this thing where she's a glamorous, in this glamorous dress, and then she spreads out her arms and the dress is designed to look like uh, moth wings. Yes. So then Abigail has the courage, opens her mouth to sing, a moth immediately flies in. And like... Afterwards, she does end up singing. I think it would have been so much better if just like, I don't want to sing because I'm afraid a moth would fly in. Oh my God, it happened again. And then it was just over. Well, she starts singing. And uh, Chief Bills is talking over it and only Gilbert applauds. Well, everyone's like, why is this a song? Yeah. (laughs) Like, why are we doing this? You're not very good. And basically, we're establishing that they basically all killed each other. Yes. It's, it's like this big loop of kills. And the mint was important as it was, in fact, a slow-release poison. Yeah, that Bran had used to kill the other sister before his death. But none of this, like, is a thing you can figure out by watching the show. Mm-mm. It's bad. Oh, and um, Maya Rudolph's character's death is actually an accident. Yes, she did the split and it broke something. It broke her vulva. Her vulva, which is the largest organ connected to your heart. Yeah, and Heidi goes, I don't think that's true. I was pre-med at Princeton, but I didn't go to class. So no, I don't know. And so they go to the last funeral home that has a passport office in it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Abigail asks Heidi for chapstick, and she uses Heidi's chapstick, and uh, Heidi goes, real talk? You look like a clown whore. Oh, I haven't heard that in forever. I used to have a lucrative job as a circus prostitute. <laughs> and so we all we find out they've all murdered each other, and but they all fit together. Because yes. all of the weird rigor mortis, they all form like a Tetris They form coffins. perfect Tetris pieces, because Andy Sandberg was a square piece... Uh, and uh, Fred, Fred Armisen was like an L piece because he was bent over. Maya Rudolph makes a T piece. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the final one would be an S piece because they were curled up in the uh, piano. <laughs> piano. And Heidi looks at it and goes, yeah, e-o-romp, <laughs> which is not a Tetris noise. Heidi's character is very strange. Yes. I also want to say for some reason... I find her most attractive in this scene because she has orange eyeshadow on, which made her look really good. And she never wears it again. But I was like, huh. She often wears different bright color eyeshadow. Only the orange worked for you. Sorry, Heidi. (laughs) Just so you know. Which is interesting because Heidi's like blonde and blue eyed and usually orange is not a color that's like super flattering. Yeah, look good. All right. (laughs) Um... I just I think it's interesting because color theory says it shouldn't work, but it does work. Yeah. And we get another cutaway to the nemesis. And in their car trunk, they have all of the weapons from Clue. Yes. And all of Mapleworth's books. Mm-hmm. So then Abigail goes in 
and she's back at the venue and she sets Heidi up for a band that Abigail has no interest in, but sets her up with some other girls her age. Yeah. Who look like dweebs. And mm. Heidi's like, I feel sane. <laughs> and then What's Ab- up, my bitches? Yeah, and then Abigail is walking home and then Gilbert offers to escort her. Because mm. you're, it's clearly setting up like Heidi won't be there, so Abigail's going to get attacked. Yes. But Gilbert is going to ex- uh, escort her. And what do you know? She's attacked when a car comes flying. A car jumps the pavement. Yes. To be continued. And to be continued. Episode 10. Episode 10. Abigail gets hit by a car. Yes. And it knocks her shirt off. It knocks, yeah. Both of them are uninjured, but she is now just shirtless. It's very uh, Scott Pilgrim, you punch the blue out of her hair. Yeah, I guess. Because I was just like, for some reason, this joke didn't fly with me. Because I was just like, she got hit by a car, so she lost her shirt. I don't know why that's the leap in, like, silliness for me. But, like, that was the first time I was just like, what? It's also, like, interesting nudity. Yeah. Because it's something we don't usually see female nudity played for laughs. True. It's very much, this is something you would have totally seen with a male protagonist. Mm -hmm. Of uh, Abigail's, like, age and type. Yeah. Of, like, there would have been a gratuitous shirtless scene that was for, played for laughs. Mm-hmm. In this show, it's very weird because nothing has been graphic yet. Yeah. So it is kind of jarring of, like, oh, surprise boobs. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where you're just, it, they're not on for very long. Like, they're not out for very long, but it is a moment of, like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> oh, nudity. Surprise. And then she yells, someone just tried to martyr me. Mm-hmm. Because the only... Time she has an accent is when she says martyr. Is when she says martyr. And Gilbert, like, tries to cover her up. And they have to file a police report. And Heidi is super upset that she wasn't with her aunt. hmm And then Jerry shows up in person. Which I was really shocked by. This is Patton Oswalt's agent. Yes. I never <laughs> thought we were going to see him. I kind of thought he was just... I thought he filmed all his stuff in, in one room in a day. <laughs> but no, here he is. And my next note is he's a bit sus. Bit sus. Because uh, he's just weird about how he gets there. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. I was at my niece's brother's wedding. Your nephew? Yeah, this is some weird trend that they do with him where he has trouble describing... Male what, relative. Or no, certain Relationships. Relatives. Just like, yeah. And uh, they found out there's an abandoned car at the cemetery that matches the description of the car that tried to hit Abigail. Yes. But then they have to figure out which cemetery. Yeah, because there's so many. They get they finally figure out the right one. And we see that one of her books is called Suicide Green Tomatoes. Yes. But all of them are, have her name scratched out with orange. Yes. Uh, so, like, the clues we're getting here is they have all... All the books are there. It's... There's tissues in the front seat. Yes. And everything's crossed out in orange. Which made me think... It was Heidi because of the eyeshadow. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't just weirdly hitting on Heidi a moment ago. I, there was something about her wearing that eyeshadow that really stuck out to me. Mm. So, uh, Heidi is worried. There's this weird moment with the dog shadow puppet where they're breaking... Like, Heidi and Abigail shouldn't be there. They're, look, they're tampering with evidence. Yeah. And Heidi tries to distract Gilbert by being a dog puppet, like a yes. shadow puppet. And then Gilbert 
puts his middle finger up and is like, I'm a friendly I'm a, unicorn. Look at me, I'm a unicorn. Do you want to go somewhere and talk? No, nice meeting you. I have to go. <laughs> Very silly. Heidi is worried, but Abigail says she's just going to have a simple drink with Jerry. Mm-hmm. And so Heidi goes home and she is tasked with feeding Abigail's dogs. I did not write down the list of instructions, but I did write down Heidi's reaction doing it. Could you be a deer and feed all my babies? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, where's their food? Oh, it's in the kitchen. Now, Cooper likes a cup of the food from the purple bag in the red bowl. And then form it into little meatballs. Izzy likes the leftovers from my egg fried rice. Buttercrunch likes oh. his wet food warmed up, preferably in a body nook. Flattery will get you everywhere. We'll eat everything you hand him, so keep your tampons to yourself. The scrons will only eat freeze-dried treats that smell like cheese. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, you just stay safe, okay? Thank you, dear. I'm not doing any of that shit, so who wants pizza? <laughs> and the dogs rejoice. Yeah, the dogs are happy to have you. It's very babysitter of like, mm-hmm. this is the elaborate meal your mom wants me to make for you. Yeah. I can order a pizza. I'm going to order a pizza. And we see bartender Dink Chodley again, which I have bartender Kenneth the Page. Mm-hmm. And someone come, a drunk comes up and orders a Jack and Coke. Not just any drunk, though. I was building to the reveal. I'm, I know. Murder. I'm adding to it. It is none other than Toby from The Office. Toby, my favorite character from The Office. Noah rejoices. Toby. Toby. And he's happy to see Abigail. He's a big fan of Abigail. Mm -hmm. And, but he's been cut off because he's drunk. Yeah. So he wanders off. Uh, Then Mrs. Twat shows up from the first story arc. Yeah. And she yells at Abigail for jailing her son, her only source of income. Yes. And she has orange nail polish on. Yeah. We know that because she flips her off. Yes. And then uh, Kenneth is like, or Kenneth the page, Dink Chodley is like, oh, that's so nice. Everyone's just flying birds around here. Because he's, he's been given the middle finger yeah. like three times already at this I point. I wish I brought my binoculars. He's adorable. He's totally the nemesis. Yeah. He says, uh, I, I'm a big fan of yours. I have all your books. Yes. Uh, and then we also see Paige. The editor. The editor shows up. And she up. shows up and she has a confrontation with Abigail, but then she also sneezes. Yes. And she sneezes in Dink's face. And then yeah. he sprays what he was using to clean the bar with in our face, in his own face. Yeah. Which we find out later is bleach. It's just bleach. <laughs> and then Jerry finally shows up mm-hmm. to have his drink with Abigail. And Kenneth spills margarita on Jerry because he wants yeah. a virgin margarita with a shot of tequila. Yeah, he's just bad at describing things. So a margarita. <laughs> and then he sprays the uh, bleach on his own shirt. Yeah. And uh, Jack. Um, Kenneth the Page? Yeah, Kenneth the Page. Dink Chodley says, oh no, that's bleach. And he's like, no, this is a gift from my uncle's only sister. Your Your mom? And then Kenneth, uh, Kenneth the Page. Dink Chodley gives Mapleworth her drink, which is a buttery nipple. Yes. And uh, Toby just grabs it off the bar and drinks it. Kenneth yells, that's not for you. Yeah. And he drops dead because it's poisoned. Toby dies. To be continued. So now, like, now I actually feel like we're watching a mystery. 
Yeah. Because, like, we have three suspects. We have evidence for all three. But, it, it like, it doesn't all match up. So now I feel like at least I'm playing the game. Yes. Uh, so we're going to do interrogations. Yes. With each of these characters. But the cops want to do it instead of having some author and her niece do it. Yeah. Uh, so that we get this weird montage of interrogations plus Mapleworth trying to like sneak in. Yeah, there's the important takeaways here are that uh, Dink Chodler, Ken, Kenneth Page, uh, he calls all alcohol poison. So when they ask if he put poison in her drink, he says yes. Yeah. But I would just want to say, what's your poison? Because it sounds cool. <laughs> uh, they also bring in Mrs. Twat. Yes. Who is remarried. That's no longer my name, thank God. I've remarried. Please call me Mrs. Minge. Mrs. Virginia Twat Minge. It's a good change. It's a good change. So there's a great moment where they're, she's getting interrogated, and it's by Mapleworth and Heidi imitating... Yeah, in disguises? Bills and Gilbert. I do like that the show is smart enough not to put Mapleworth in blackface. Yes, uh, they just give her a fake mustache, mm-hmm. and they don't actually put Heidi in anything to change her body shape. Yeah. She just, like, tries to, like, physically yeah. embody uh, Gilbert. And then Gilbert and Bills come in, and there's a very dumb, silly mirror bit. Yeah, they do, like, the uh, Groucho Marx, Lucille Ball mirror bit. Yes. And, like, it's all happening so fast that I'm just, like, kind of confused and baffled. And then the end of this is insane. So then they're doing this bit and then we go back to Bills and Gilbert interrogating uh, Dink Chodley and out of the wall come Abigail and... Wait. (laughs) We're not... No, this happens... What happens before that is so insane. What happens is... Uh, Dink's alibi is that he can't drive a car. Yeah. Because a car sped by. To The car that uh, tried to kill Abigail, they're saying it was him. He can't because he can't drive a car. And, and J.B. Smooth, Bill, goes, prove it. And he takes his eyes out. Yeah. And puts them on the table. And then... Abigail and Heidi are camouflaged as the wall and jump out and go, none of them are the murderer. And at this point, I'm just like, wait, what is happening? Yeah, uh, it's very uh, Peter Malark camouflage. But does this mean that Dink Chodley is blind? I feel like... We're, we're by trying to make this make sense. Well, it kind of does because he sprayed bleach, bleach in his, his face. Yeah. So was he blind the whole time? It would make sense. Would it though? Well, he also gets people spitting in his face constantly. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Where I was just like, was this the plan? Is that he has two glass eyes? But nothing in the prior, like nothing in the winery episode makes you think that. No, it's so And also when he has his eyes in, there's nothing about his performance that signals that he is blind. Yeah. He goes back to having eyes. It's such a weird moment. So then Abigail and Heidi are back at home. And Heidi finds 
The drawer full of neck massagers. Yes, she has an entire drawer full of vibrators. Why do you have so many of these? She's neck got massagers? A, yeah, she's got a stiff neck. And she goes, oh, this one's kind of interesting. It's like a steampunk. Yes. And it's a stick of dynamite. They throw it out the window just in time. Mm-hmm. But the dynamite sets off all of the neck massagers. Yes. And moves the dress, like so strong that it moves the dresser out from the wall. And she's like, there's going to be a happy pussy tonight. And Heidi's like, excuse me? And then we see a ton of cat toys. Yeah. Behind the dresser. Yes, have fallen behind the dresser. So now she now knows where all the cat toys are. Yeah. So they're now looking at this murder board with Gilbert. And Billy complains about how they've ruined his murder board. And Gilbert thinks that Mapleworth should take a spa day. Yes. And so she goes to the spa and someone locks the sauna from the outside and turns the temperature all the way up. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how saunas work. I don't think you can lock them from the outside because of this. No, I certainly don't think you can lock someone in a sauna. (laughs) That's not a good thing. Like... You very easily could have just put something in front of the door and made this make a little bit more sense. But it's a comedy, so who cares? Yeah, like, it's also, um, all the murders in this have been similarly silly and Mm -hmm. cartoonish. This is actually one of the few that's legitimately like, oh no. Yeah, so the murderer did not count on the fact that Abigail is wearing those waxing pads. Yeah, which you would not be wearing for this long. No. Also, she would have sweated them off. Yes. So she uses them to rip the hair out and then use the hair to write help on one and stick it on the window and then she passes out. And then Gilbert storms in, rescues her. He's wrapped in seaweed. Yes. And he's like, I saw your pubic message. And you're like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Gets a little gross. And so she's recovering at home and Heidi brings her tea and biscuits. And... Tells her to stay home. Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, I can't do this. I feel as useless as a penis to the Lilith Fair. <laughs> I was like, oh, a Lilith Fair joke in 2021. Yeah. Oh, timely. Like, Lilith Fair. I think the last Lilith Fair was pre-2005. Like, I'm now looking at when... The- Research department. I'm- oh, way. Okay, they tried to do one. They tried to do a revival in 2010. But it was like a very 90s thing. Right. So, what a weird joke. Like, what a weirdly dated joke. Yes. Jerry has now hired her a bodyguard. Because Mm -hmm. Jerry wants her to finally get her novella done. Yes, and it's Terry Crews. And his name is Yoda. His name is Yoda, which is so funny to me. And he's angry about the Star He's never seen Star Wars. Never seen Star Wars. He was born before Star Wars was made, and it just ruined his life. And then Pat Oswald, Pat Oswalds. This is your bodyguard, whose name is... Yoda. Yoda. Wait, that, that can't be right. You're named after Yoda. Jedi Master Yoda, resident of Dagobah, original seat on the council. My parents named me Yoda way before those stupid movies. Everything was fine, and then Empire Strikes Back comes out, and Yoda's the name of a weird little monster. Jerry's also very flattering toward Abigail, and he's like, oh, you look great. The mud mask did wonders for your skin. And I have a note here. How does Jerry know about the mud mask? Mm -hmm. Heidi tells Abigail she's going to sleep in the dog's room so that Abigail can rest. Yeah. And Abigail is then snoring and we see a creepy doll. 
Yes. Someone creeps up the stairs and startles Abigail awake. It's Yoda. Yes. Trying to murder her. Martyr her. Mm-hmm. And he attacks the doll because Abigail was quick enough to hide. Yeah, to hide in the closet. And she yells, Yoda. To jail you are going. Why'd you say it like that? That's how Yoda speaks in Star Wars. Never saw it. But let me try. <sighs> Abigail, I am your killer. You're sure you've not seen the films because that sounds like Darth Vader. Don't talk about my little brother. Just so silly. So then she has the last um, Mrs. Mapleworth cutaway. Mm-hmm. And she talks about learning karate. And she, in all of these cutaways, she also mentions like a young woman whose company she enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And she talks about a karate workshop she attended. And so she karates Terry Crews and says, Namaste on the floor, dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to reality. She does try to throw a few kicks. Yeah, she just kind of goes, yeah. But never connects. Not even close. And then. Double elbows to the groin. He picks her up and goes, ninja ass out of my face. And throws her. <laughs> Just tosses her across the bed. But Bills and Heidi get to Yoda before he's able to finish Abigail off. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where Bills hands Heidi the gun and she's just like, uh. <laughs> Hold this gun. They handcuff Yoda and he breaks the cuffs. Like, he doesn't even try. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just like the weight of his own arms breaks the gun. I mean, it's very like Terry Crews in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Did you get these from the dollar store? So, she goes like, Yoda is going to jail, but he's not the murderer. He's just a hired assassin. And her and Bill's talk over each other the whole time. Because he's trying to look like he solved yeah. the case. B- Bill is pretending that he's just about to say whatever Abigail says. Yes. Because he wants to be smart. This is kind of something they established in the first episode, but like, it's not that great a joke. <laughs> and then, uh, so they realize that the real person trying to kill her is the agent, Jerry. Yes. And they go to the bar where Jerry is on the phone with the publisher saying that Abigail is dead but he has a manuscript they could yeah, read. Yeah, he wrote his own novel. He wanted to be the writer. He didn't want to just be her agent. And Heidi picks it up and reads it as they confront him at the bar. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what is this font? Comic Sans any talent? Yes. What a great joke. And Dink Chiddler goes, I'd read it. <laughs> and so they, they kind of... How? Just, He's blind. And then he goes... Well, at least we have, uh, Bills goes, at least we got through this without a long-winded explanation. And Dink goes, how did you know it was him? Please explain in excruciating detail. God damn it, Dink. And then, uh, Bills yells, stupid asshole. (laughs) And so we have this whole thing. And then where she explains pretty much the whole episode. And then Abigail goes, you know, I can't find Purple Princess, who we've established as her favorite neck massager. Mm -hmm. And our last shot of the entire series is Purple Princess vibrating its way down the street. Yes. And that's the Mapleworth murders. That's the Mapleworth murders. I had a lot of fun with this show. Okay. I don't know how it would hold up for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And I think the show may have over relied on guest stars. I mean, I I understand bringing in guest stars for this type of show. Yeah. Where, like, everyone's so expendable. 
Um, but I definitely think, like, by the second episode, I was like, oh, I know all the tricks already. Like, the first episode, there will be a murder. The second episode, they will think they have found the murderer, but be wrong. The third episode, they will figure out the murder, and she'll have to write herself out of it. Yeah. And then she'll do an explanation, and we'll be done. So, like, my my issue was I didn't know how to interact with this media. Yeah. Because, like, it's presenting itself as a murder mystery. But it's not. It's airplane. It's jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes and jokes. Yeah. But it's presenting itself as this medium where I'm so used to, like, pay attention for the detail and try to figure it out before she does. Yeah. But that is not what you're meant to do with this. No. So I, I my biggest problem is I didn't know how to react with this media. Here's another really big thing. Mm-hmm. You know how I, I mentioned, like, the pubic hair bit and the neck massagers, which are clearly toys? Yeah. And... The fact that she is topless at one point. Would you watch this show on your phone in, in public? public? Oh no, I didn't. No, what were they thinking? Yeah, that didn't even occur to me. Like, to be honest, I thought this show was laugh out loud funny. Do you want to laugh out loud like a psychopath on the train? No. Like you're just sitting there with headphones on in dead silence and all of a sudden you're like. <laughs> I mean, I had that moment a few times reading because I used to read on the train. If something was really funny, I'd be like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I also at one point looked up in the middle of Philadelphia lost because I missed my stop because Brienne of Tarth was fighting a bear. <laughs> so I'm a bad example. So like. Especially because I'm trying to live in the medium that it was designed to be viewed on. Yeah. And this is horrible for that. You're right. You, you're right. You're right. Because I'm all, like, my first thought is I'm trying to solve a murder. So I'm trying to pay attention to every detail. And I'm looking at a tiny, tiny screen. Yeah. Like. Meant to be watched on your phone. And a lot of these are small details. Yes. Like a lot of the shop, like. A lot of the shop names in the first episode are very, like, silly, quick jokes. Yeah, that you couldn't possibly see. And one thing that we talked about with Quibi before we recorded was Quibi was not friendly for social media sharing. Like, there was no good way to, like, take a screenshot. Or a or GIF. Or make a GIF and stuff like that. So there's no way to, like, pause and look at these jokes on your phone. Yeah. This is so confused. Like, all the decisions with this are so confusing to me. With Quibi. Yeah. The show itself, I think it's fine. Yeah, they, they clearly wrote it in a way that they were hoping to be able to move it to a different streaming service. Yes, but not cable. It's no. not like we can throw this on Comedy Central. No, because it really likes the C word. Yeah. And, like, because that's the other thing. Like, if you're in public, like... You better have headphones for this show. You better have headphones if you're listening to Quibi in public anyway. Yeah, Otherwise, you're true. rude. But You're rude. It's All this, I think, is just very confusing. Like, I did really enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought it was interesting because it's an audience that's not really usually uh, aimed at. Of, yeah. like, middle-aged ladies who like body humor. Mm-hmm. That's not an audience that there's a lot out there for. Yeah. And I, I found that really interesting of like, this is a very 
Uh, this is a surprisingly gendered comedy of like, it's very lady comedy. Mm-hmm. And there's just not a lot of that. No, not That is all. also very raunchy. Yeah. And I, lo- I really liked that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Sure. Of like... Golden Girls kind of... Go- like, like R-rated Golden Girls. Yeah. Like Golden Girls, the gritty Hulu reboot. Yeah. That should happen. Let's yeah, where is this? Because the thing I find most interesting about the Golden Girls is how old they are in the show. Mm-hmm. And how, like, they are... I want to look this up. The Golden Girls in the show are supposed to be in their, like, mid-50s. Mm-hmm. Like, women in their mid-50s do not look like that now. No. Like, it's such an interesting thing that we've now kind of realized that you don't have to style yourself as old lady when you hit 50. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a really good job with that with Mapleworth. Like, she's dressed a bit matronly. But she's not, like, old-looking. Right. And I found that very, very interesting. She's actually, in a lot of ways, a lot cooler than Heidi. Heidi feels like she's very much a parody of Gen... Like, not a mean parody of Gen Z. Right. But she's definitely a parody of Gen Z. Like, she's always on her phone. Mm -hmm. Almost to the point where she doesn't feel like a parody of... Despite being at the age where she would be Gen Z, she definitely feels like a parody of millennials. Yeah. But there's a generation that thinks everyone under 30 is still, is still millennial, millennial yeah. even though I think the millennials cut off in their late 20s now. Yeah. So it feels more like a parody of a millennial, even though she's supposed to be Gen Z. Yeah. And I found that really interesting. Like, she's also one of the only young characters. Yes. She's cl- And they don't really know what to do with her. She's interesting and she's funny. Yeah, I think she's fun and like... She, she's quirky. They hint at plots with her of like, mm. she doesn't really have a lot of friends and we don't really know why she's staying with Abigail. We never see her do any actual classwork. But yeah, but she's a sidekick. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's the Mapleworth murders as far as the summary of it. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But it's really formulaic. It's very formulaic. Do you have any more research before we give this a a verdict? Uh, I do not. Uh, Paula Pell, who plays Mapleworth, and John Lutz are like very close friends in real life. This was meant to be a Murder, She Wrote Hmm. parody. I I have a bit of research I'd love for you to do, because my thought is, how the hell did J.B. Smooth win an Emmy for this? Because, like, his performance is very basic. It is very one-note. It is very J.B. Smooth doing comedy. Should I bring all three of them in for your questioning, sir? Let me get my thoughts together first, Gilbert. I was going to say that, but you're talking over me right in front of people. I wish someone would make a time machine and go back five seconds before I can say what the hell I'm going to say the first time. It's funny that you're always about to tell someone to do something after they've already said they're going to do it. Honestly, I wasn't listening to you at all, but I do sense a tone in the room. Well, I think that my aunt's probably just a bit on edge after almost being killed. Twice. Yeah, why, why don't you go home and relax? Fine. But just tell me what those three say when you interview them. Wait a minute now. No one's privy to that except Gilbert and myself. This is an ongoing investigation. So stay out of it, Mapleworth. What? Who, who did he beat? <laughs> because I was just like, it's not that he's not funny, but I don't think he's award-winningly funny in this. I don't think his performance is special. I don't think he got to show any range in this. Okay, so J.B. Smoove beat 
Brandon Skinnell, alumnus of Stay Doomed for Heathers. Oh my God. As Heather Duke. <laughs> Kevin Hart. And John Travolta, both for Die Hart. Okay. And John Lutz for Mapleworth Murders. So, so the other person running was from Mapleworth Murders. What? He was nominated for Heather's or for another project? Another project, Bonding. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, Bonding? Yes. Bonding got that terrible Netflix show about the dominatrix? Yes. What a terrible... Congratulations, J.B. Smooth, <laughs> on your Emmy. And then there were only four up for actress. Kiki Palmer won for Kiki Palmer's Turned Up with the Taylors. And she beat Paula Pell for Mapleworth Murders, Carrie Kenny Silver for Reno 911, and Natalie Emanuel for Die Hard. I would say Lutz is better than J.B. Smooth in this. I would agree. Yeah. Um, but I'm not grumpy. It's fine. Everything's fine. And Die Hard, Kevin Hart plays, I guess, a fictionalized version of, of himself, himself. Yeah. Trying to be an action star. Yes. So that's the only other, like, quibby one that was getting a lot of nominations. Well, what would you give this? I would give this a stay tuned. Yeah. Because I think if the show knew it had more room to breathe, I think they would have given themselves more space to breathe. I think a lot of the issues with it are in the Quibi formatting, but since Quibi is dead, any future incarnation of the show would be made for Roku. Because I do believe there were a couple Quibi shows that were renewed. Yeah. That may be coming to Roku. I think my issue with this is I think if I just watch a pilot, this would be a stay tuned immediately. Oh, easily. And I don't want you to think that I did not enjoy this show because I really did enjoy the show. But you're going to give it a stay doomed because... I'm, I'm still on the fence, to be honest. Okay. Because I'm, I'm legitimately just talking it out right now. Okay. Because I enjoyed the show. I thought it got a little formulaic. Uh... And like I said, I wasn't really sure how I was supposed to interact with it. When it ended, when it comes to giving it a stay tuned, it would be, would I want another season of this? And that last episode really felt like an ending. Okay. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot more to be told here. Like, I guess you could go with like, Who's the new uh, agent? Like, I guess you could go that route. But, like, I'm not sure how much more is to be said here unless we eventually lead towards Gilbert and Abigail getting together. Which they decidedly won't because Abigail clearly is um, into women. Yeah, like, well, all the notes I feel like have been played. To me, I'm thinking about how long Murder, She Wrote ran. Murder, She Wrote ran for 12 seasons. Oh my God. So you have this show that's kind of this like doddering show. I think there's other places because you could have them go somewhere else. Yeah. You can have people return. I think they would need to reduce the number of guest stars. Right. Because I think that's a big thing, is especially in that third episode. They the, use so many. They use four guest stars, and I feel like 
they run away with the show. Mm-hmm. And I, bury Janet. <laughs> yeah. I actually... Six, because the four siblings, Janet and Wanda Sykes. Oh, yeah, Wanda Sykes, too. Like, yeah. So, it's very... I think you need to tweak it going forward and kind of go more law and order with uh, more judicious use of guest stars. I, I think now that it's off of Quibi, it legitimately could be a very good show. Yes. So, like, I, I'm going to give it a stay tuned. Because I think if, if I found out there was another season, I would want to watch it. I would too. But I think it would definitely run the risk of me watching one episode and being like, oh, it's more of this. Yeah. And then choosing to watch something else over it. I could see so that. So that, that's kind of where I'm at, but I will give it a stay tuned. Yay! What are we doing next week? We are doing our season three retrospective. We used to do it every 50 episodes, but since we've become uh, more amenable to doing multi-part episodes. Yes. This is actually, it's been over a year since we've done a retrospective. Long overdue for us to do one of these episodes. And for us to do a successful retrospective, uh, it should be in recent memory. Yeah. And then we will be taking a December hiatus. Yes. And then our December hiatus will be coming. There will still be content on the channel. But uh, it won't be your normal state doomed goodness. And then we'll be back with January with whatever wins the following poll. Yes. We want to come back with a bang. Yeah. So here's four heavy hitters for you. Okay. First out the gate. Boom. Do no harm. Good job. I'm so proud of you. I didn't call it Dr. Facehands. Yeah. It is the story of a surgeon with a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, sort of scenario that was filmed in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I want to look at the dates for it because I think there's a chance that I just like bumble through the background yeah. at one point. Entirely possible. Our, our next one is? Our next one is we have to like make sure we can find this one. But it's been on the list since day one of Stay Doomed. And that's Terra Nova. Yes. The Fox Dinosaur Lost Me remix. Yeah, it was definitely in reaction to the heavy mythos drama that was popular. It is on IMDb TV. Or we could just buy it on Amazon. Yeah, we'll probably end up buying it on Amazon. Uh, Next, we have from ABC... From the creators of Lost, it's Flash Forward. Flash Forward is about a bunch of people who had a shared blackout, and they got to see their own future. And then finally, last but not least, is Hulu's Four Weddings and a Funeral. To go in a completely different genre direction, we wanted to offer you some variety. Yes. Uh, I watched this show while it was running. I watched Flash Forward while it was running, so... That, those are our different perspectives. So you will choose on a Twitter poll. Would you like Do No Harm, Dr. Face Hands? Would you like Terra Nova? Would you like Flash Forward? Or would you like Four Weddings and a Funeral? Uh, thank you once again to our lovely patrons for uh, helping keep the lights on. And thank you to the IWEP Network. Go to IWEPnetwork.com to check out our podcast along with other network affiliates. Where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. 
And if you have a favorite Quibi show that you'd like us to cover, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you can suggest any other uh, female-driven comedies meant for slightly older audiences, I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed.